0: Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Great to see you here today. Uh, we're going to talk about John chapter 17 today, which is considered by a lot of, you know, theologians and biblical types, the holy of holies. They call it the holy of holies because in John 17, it is an entire chapter that is a prayer. It's the longest recorded prayer that we have of Jesus Christ. And he allows his disciples and allows us here today to listen in on this conversation. So it's pretty cool. Um, John Knox, who was a great Scottish reformer uh, back in the 16th century, when he passed away, he felt so strongly about John chapter 17. He had his wife read it over him, over and over and over again as he was dying. And uh, John Knox was uh, attributed with founding the Presbyterian Church. Any Presbyterians here? Yeah, we got a whole row of Presbyterians. There you go. So this is your, this is your day, John Knox. Mission accomplished is what we're going to call this today. What we'll see is in John 17, there is a clear mission for Jesus Christ. As you read throughout the Bible, what you begin to see is, is there's a clear mission or purpose, whatever terminology you want to put to that, for each one of us here on earth. Like, God created us to do something. Like, you know, for me, I felt and some other people felt that, you know, God wants me to be a pastor. Now, other people might argue that. That's understandable. But nonetheless, there's this sense that I was to pastor and a sense that I'm to pastor here at Grace Community Church. And, you know, here I am. here I go. And, you know, what's your purpose? What's your mission? And Jesus focuses on this whole idea of mission and purpose and what we're doing, what that niche is for us to do for God in this world in John chapter 17. And this is what we're going to dig into here. Now, I've read a lot of books about, like, Michael Jordan and Jack Welch, and Martin Luther King Jr., and Abraham Lincoln, stuff like people who accomplished, Mother Teresa, who accomplished so much stuff in this life. And what seems to stand out from those people is they had a clear, it was clarity of mission, and they stuck with the mission. Those two things together, they were clear on what their mission was, and they did not give up on it. Of all those people, they all pale in comparison to Jesus Christ, because he stuck to, he was clear about what he was doing, he was clear what the Father had called him to do, and he stuck to it more than anybody else I have ever read about. I want to read to you the first five verses of John chapter 17. They're on the back of your programs. I didn't put any outline there. It's kind of a free-flowing day. So you, get, you can, you know, for those you don't like, you know, within the, the boundaries, you know, you don't like straw, drawing within the lines, you just want freedom, you have total freedom today. So it's a time for you to write your grocery list there or doodle, or write a note to your neighbor, anything you want to do. It's just like wide open, okay? John 17, first five verses, this is what it says. After Jesus said this, he looked up to heaven and he prays, Father, the time has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now, this is eternal life. That they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. It is clear that Jesus Christ had a mission. From the Bible, it's clear that we have a mission, you have a mission, and I have a mission. And what are we going to do with that? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we study John 17, help us. For those of us here today who need clarity of mission, provide that. For those of us who need help, some resolve to kind of stick to the mission, help us with that as well, Father, in Christ's name. Amen. Glory. This word is used over and over again in John chapter 17. It's actually used nine different times. So glory plays a very key role here. And when we want to figure out what our mission is, and there's, there's different types of people of us that are in this room here today. There are those of us who kind of, we know what our mission is, we're clear what our mission is, and we seem to be able to stick to it. We're on track with it, and we're happy, and we're glad. And for those of you who are in that category, we just praise you. And just you can sit back all day here and just say amen all day long. All right, for the rest of us, who we don't know what that mission is, okay or on the other hand we know what it is but we're having a hard time sticking to it uh this john chapter 17 is for you because there's some insight here on getting clear on mission and also on finding some stick-to-itiveness does that make sense on resolve and strength and discipline to kind of stay on task rather than falling off the wagon constantly but it all begins with glory it all begins with glory. As I said, that word is used nine times from start to finish in John chapter 17. What does the word mean? The word glory that is used here in the Greek means this. It means to honor somebody, to lift somebody up, or to praise somebody. That's, that's very clear. So Jesus saying, you know, Father, uh, I'm, I'm ready to lift you up, you know, and honor you and, and, and praise you in my life. But what was really interesting to me, and for those of you who like looking at dictionaries, I do. I pull out the Webster's Dictionary, old-fashioned, from time to time, break it open, look at the definition of a word. It's always that first line, kind of like they'll have a number one or they have a bullet point under the definition, and you'll read, and that's the one that carries the day. That's the one that carries the weight, right? So that's what it is most. Well, as you look at this word. Honor and praise and celebrate and lift up is on line number two. You know what glory really means? The predominant meaning of the word glory in the Greek that is used here. It means what is your opinion of or what do you think about this situation? So here's the way to read this verse. So Jesus is saying that he's going to bring glory to the father. He says so that your son may glorify you. He's saying this is what I think about you. Here is my opinion about you. This is a great place to start for all of us who are trying to figure out God's mission for our life or we're trying to stick with it. Here's the question that we need to ask ourselves. What is my opinion of God? What do I really think about God? How high of a view, low of a view, where does God fall in that whole thing? What do I think of God? What is my opinion of God? Is God great and above all things or is God just one thing in my life? Yeah, I mean, It might be great, but there's a bunch of other great things. Where does God fall on that totem pole? Where does God fall? That's the first question asked. What do you think of God? What is your opinion of God? That's what the word glory means. Now, you know what? There's a fascinating case study that you can do in the Old Testament about the word glory. And it has to do with two different guys. One is King Saul, the first king of Israel, and King David, the greatest king of Israel, also the second king of Israel. Both of them were talented. Both of them wanted to glorify God, to give praise to God. Both of them wanted to. Both of them had a lot of faults. And you read their stories, they had all kinds of faults. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing that made them different. Because King Saul was an absolute failure at the end of his life, and David was an absolute success in the eyes of God. What was the difference? The difference is this. King Saul, all throughout his life, he battled with this whole thing of, do I want to glorify God or do I want to glorify me? And what happened is the majority of time, the glorifying of him, the lifting up of him seemed to win out over the glory of God. His opinion of God was low is what I'm trying to say. Now, contrast that to David. David struggled. Oh, man, you don't have to read a whole lot about David to know that he had some massive struggles in his life. He wrote about his frustration and his temptations and his failures and where he gave in and all the things that he did. But the thing is this, his opinion of God was very high. He thought a lot of God, and he wanted to attribute glory to God and all that. Now, he wrote a lot of the Psalms, as many of you know. Psalm, let me give you just a couple here. Psalm 29, 57, 63, 96, and 104. I know you can't copy all that down, but while I'm saying is he wrote a bunch of Psalms, and they were all about this. They were all about the glory of God. He says in Psalm 29, he says, Ascribe to the Lord the glory that is due His name. He says that twice in the 29th Psalm. Twice in the 57th Psalm, He says, Let your glory, God, be over all the earth. What I find interesting is there is a connection here between the opinion of God, the glory of God, and us figuring out God's mission, God's plan, God's purpose for our life, and us sticking with it. Who has heard of that book, The Purpose Driven Life? Anybody heard the book, Purpose Driven Right, okay, a bunch of you have. Sold like 35 million copies, 40 million copies. Like one of the best-selling books of all time. The guy that wrote that, Rick Warren, you know what inspired him years ago to write this whole thing? Because he does all this stuff on purpose now. He wrote the purpose-driven church, and then he wrote the purpose-driven life, and he's got all this purpose. Everything's about purpose, right? You know what inspired him? There's a verse in the book of Acts that says King David lived a life of purpose. He lived out his purpose for God, and then he passed away. That inspired him. And here's the connection that strikes me. There is a strong connection between wanting to give God glory, having this high opinion of God, and living out God's purpose in our lives. So, to me, it comes back to something very simple, if I can make it this. It's you and I making a statement, just like David makes these statements all over the place in the Psalms. And the statement is simply this, that we need to make to God repeatedly. God, I want your glory more than anything else. My opinion of you is very high. God, I want your glory in my life. I want your glory on this earth. And when we start with making that statement to God, we like break the sound waves and we speak that out. That's very important. We speak it out. And we say, God, I want your glory. That's how we begin to understand and get clarity on God's mission and purpose in our lives. And that's how also we start to stick with it. Because my problem is those both things. It's, first of all, it was the clarity of mission. And once I got clear on it, my problem became this, sticking with it. I don't know if anybody can identify with that, but that's my deal. I first had to get clear on it, and that was hard. And then after I got clear on it, I had a hard time sticking to it. And when I start saying, God, I want your glory more than anything else, that begins that process happening. We see that in the life of David. Okay, that's the first thing. Here's the second thing on getting clarity and now sticking to it in a strong way. It, is, it has to be sealed with good housekeeping. Who's old enough to remember the good housekeeping seal of approval, right? Certain products got it. A couple of you, all right, a couple of you as old as me, and you remember that. The good housekeeping seal of approval. What does a seal do? A seal puts two things together and holds them together. That's what a seal does. A seal puts two things and holds them together. So what we, got, what we want to pull together here is God's mission and my life. And we want them to be sealed together so that they don't come apart. That I live out God's mission in my life. I know what it is and I stick to it, whatever that might be. Uh, the struggle to stay on mission, I find, is constant constant. In my life. Now, uh, I have to, as I find uh, as I live out my life, I have to address certain things that come up in my life that are off mission. Does that make sense? There are certain things that I come across in my life that are just like off mission. And I know it, and then I have to struggle with it. I have to do something with it. I have to address those things. It's very important that we go back and we address those things. I want to read you John 17, 4. I know I read it a minute ago, but this is the verse that got me more than any other verse in John 17. Because Jesus says here, he says, he's talking to the Father, I have brought you glory on earth, and notice this, he says this, by completing the work that you gave me to do. Where's the glory come from? The glory comes from everybody according to Jesus in completing the work. The glory doesn't come from starting and then stopping the work. There's no glory there. The glory comes is when we start the work and we actually complete the work and what prevents us from completing the work? Well, lots of stuff, isn't there? There are a lot of problems that we struggle with along the way that keep us from completing the work and actually really experiencing this glory that Jesus talks about in John chapter 17. And what I want to suggest to you today is the housekeeping, the good housekeeping seal of approval is that we have to go back a lot of times, either we got to deal with stuff here and now, or if there's stuff back in the past that we haven't dealt with, we have to go back there and deal with it, or it's going to haunt us into the future. I want to try to illustrate that by telling you a story. Something happened to me many years ago, about 15 or so years ago. I was working for a company part-time, and we were cleaning carpet. We were carpet cleaners. And we got called to a townhouse down over here off of Washington Boulevard in Route 50. This guy's living in this townhouse, and he wanted us to... Uh, want us to clean his carpet because he was he was moving out so the three of us we walk into this townhouse right you couldn't even see his carpet he had so many pizza boxes newspapers magazines and just bags of trash you could not see one fiber of his carpet and we're looking at each other what in the world are we supposed to do here we literally we picked up he had a snow shovel we started snow shoveling the stuff outside so we could get To the carpet. Now, the funniest thing is all is this guy, the entire time we were there for about two hours, was giving us expert advice on how to clean. (laughs) On top of his refrigerator, he had every cleaning product known to mankind, and he knew exactly how to use it. What was the problem? He just didn't use it. His house was filled with so much junk and gunk, it was terrible. Now, where did this go wrong for him? When he moved in, do you think he moved in and the house was like that? You think the house was like that when you moved? No, the place was clean as could be. But what happened along the way when he was living in this house is one day he threw down a pizza box. And instead of, you know, taking it out to the trash, he let it sit there. And after a couple of weeks, he threw a newspaper on top of it. And then instead of taking the trash bag out to the trash, he just dropped the trash right there in the living room. And before he knew it, it all piled up, all special things to him. Things that he didn't want to deal with, he'll get to it eventually, but it piles up. And that's what happens in our lives. And that's what keeps us off mission. It comes back and it haunts us because we have to address those things. I know it is very difficult, everybody, for us to address those things that maybe we particularly really embrace that are special to us or whatever. We just want to, we don't want to deal with or they're painful to deal with. We don't want to go back and deal with it. But here's the thing. Here's the problem with that. When those things start piling up, they are going to knock us off track, off of God's mission. There's just no way that we can survive and stay on mission with God if we're letting that stuff sit there. It doesn't matter sometimes if it's one thing or ten things. We have to deal with it. Now, let's go back to the life of King Saul, and let me tell you how that makes sense with King Saul. Because King Saul, this is why he ended in a failure. This is why David ended, and the scripture says he fulfilled God's purpose, which is where all of us really want to end. That is success. If we can end our lives and know, oh, my goodness, I lived out God's purpose. Well, King Saul did not live that kind of life. So in 1 Samuel chapter 15, there's a story about King Saul. And God had spoke to Saul. They were in a battle against a group of people called the Amalekites. And God says to Saul, I want you to wipe out every single one of them. The entire Amalekite race, over, gone. Now, time out. For those of you whose brain thinks like me and you're thinking, gosh, God, that's really harsh. Why would you tell them to not, I mean, like all of them, like all of them, like just get rid of all of them? Yes, that's what God said to do. And what I'm saying is that's a whole other sermon. (laughs) Could you allow me grace and say, all right, I'm going to shut that area of my brain off and I'm just going to go with what we're talking about today. I need you to do that. It's hard for me because I ask those same questions, but I'm doing that so maybe you can work with me and you do the same, all right? So table that and let's just go with this thing. God says, all of them, bam, gone. 100% they're gone. He doesn't do it. King Saul doesn't do it. And he has some very good reasons why he doesn't. Now Samuel the prophet comes and shows up after the battle's over. And he says, did you wipe them all out? And King Saul says, well, no. And here's the reason why. And he starts giving them all these reasons. Great excuses wonderful excuses he had of why he did not wipe all of them out they were excellent excuses and he kept going on and on and samuel says you were supposed to do this thing and still Saul, instead of saying you know what you're right i'm sorry bam i'm gonna go take care of it right now instead of doing that instead of jumping to action he continues to make excuses and samuel says that's it saul i mean you're gonna lose the kingdom because of this God's going to raise up somebody else who is going to serve God's purpose and you know, the way God wants it done because you're not taking care of this. And Saul still refuses to do it. Fast forward 20 years later. 20 years later, Saul again, still king, he's locked in this huge battle against Israel's arch nemesis, the Philistines. Now in this battle, it got really bad. And Saul's son, Jonathan, gets killed in the battle. And Saul's other sons get killed in the battle. Saul's armor bearer gets killed in the battle. And Saul knows that they're they're almost to him. And an arrow from a Philistine actually hits Saul and wounds him. And he knows he's not going to escape. And he knows what he's in for. They're not just going to kill him. I mean... They're going to torture him a long time and make his life miserable. And then, then maybe they're going to kill him. And so he says, the only way for me to go is I'm going to pull out my spear and I'm going to fall on it. And so that's what he does. He falls on his spear. But here's the thing. He doesn't die. Like he's hanging on between life and death. And he knows they're getting closer and he's still alive and he wants to die. Now, here's the chilling scene. Second Samuel chapter 1. Saul hears somebody and he yells out, Who's there? And the guy says, hey, I'm, you know, I'm over here. It's just some guy was up on the, up on the hillside and uh, Saul says, come over here. And the guy comes over and Saul says, I'm hanging on between, and you can imagine, picture in your mind, he's laying there. He's got the spear and it's stuck through him. He says, I'm hanging between life and death. Pull out your sword and kill me. And the guy says, okay. And here's Saul's last word. He says, he says, wait, who are you? And the guy says, I'm an Amalekite. I'm an Amalekite. Amalekites shouldn't even exist. He was supposed to have wiped them out 20 years prior. And the last words that King Saul hears before he dies is he's reminded of the mistake that he never took care of 20 years ago and it come back to haunt him now. And the last thing he hears is, you didn't take care of business. You didn't address this issue 20 years ago. And now you're ending your life in failure rather than success. Don't let that happen to you. You and I, those things that are near and dear to our hearts that we don't want to deal with, that we don't want to address and get rid of, do it. If you don't address with the messes that all, hey, all of us make in our lives along the way that are off-mission, all those off-mission messes that we make, if you don't address them, it's going to keep you from God's purpose, and mission being fulfilled in you. We can end successful, or we can end like King Saul. I want to show you some images on the screen. Who could, could you just cut a couple of lights out, and we'll leave them out the rest of the way. But um, let's make a quick transition here. I want to see if anybody uh, can help me out. If you know any of these images, who knows what that image is? What is it? Mc, it's the golden McDonald's. Are we all pretty? Is, is anybody here in this room, not familiar with that is anybody here any any possible not a single all of us know exactly i didn't have to write it i didn't have to put mcdonald's i didn't have to put a thousand billion people served or sold or hamburger, whatever they do on that thing i didn't have to do that everybody knew what that was all right that's the first one all right i'm gonna get ready to flash another one hold on and all right well there you go <laughs> which one is that target everybody knew that one that one is target right all right let me give you a couple more there mitch let's have the next slide who knows what that is? What is that? Republican, Republican Is Everybody familiar with that? Does everybody look at him? They're getting along so nicely. <laughs> you can almost see them smiling at each other. Is that is that great or what? See, that's that's beautiful. The way life shows All right, all right. I got a special one for you. Let's see the next slide. Which which one is that? Huh? Does anybody feel like singing? Would anybody like to lead us in the song? This is uh, God's team. This is the side of. Light now. Oh, oh. We wanted to contrast light with darkness, good with evil. This is the evil. And so just so you'll be okay with this, uh, let me, one more slide. Let's do one other slide. Ah, yes. That's 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 much better. Even made the baby cry in the back when they saw the Dallas Cowboys sing. All right, uh, let's see the next slide. All right, what's that? That's the cross. Everybody knows the cross, right? because, man, people don't know anything about churches all around the world are familiar with the cross. It is the symbol of Christianity. It's in church sanctuaries, but even more than that, it's on steeples all over the world, the cross. The cross is seen everywhere. Now, let me give you one last symbol uh, because this has to do with today. What's that? Communion. That is communion. I was thinking about that this past week. What is the symbol for communion? I don't know what the symbol is. For, I don't know what the symbol of the cross is. I'm clear on that. But what's communion? Because today we're going to have communion. And what's the symbol of that? You know, uh, communion, what's that? Yes, you got it. You know, uh, the thing about communion that, and for those of you who are going to help us with communion day, if you'll just go ahead and, and get the cup and the bread and just come on forward uh, where you're going to be. That would be helpful. I just want to say a few brief words about communion because what struck me this past week in John chapter 17 is there is a tremendous connection here, So a tremendous connection uh, between God's mission and between your mission, right, and communion and what happens in this communion service that we're about ready to do here in the next few moments. You know what strikes me about communion is communion is something we do it's something we do and that's an important distinction it's just not something we know but it's something we do see here's what jesus says in the scriptures he says do this in remembrance of me jesus does not say think about this you know i served this bread in this cup two thousand years ago and all of you i want you to think about what i did two thousand years ago or i want you to pray about what i did do that no he says no i want you to get physically involved I want you to become physically engaged with what I did. Now, what what did Jesus do with this? What does that mean that he did? Well, the, the bread in the cup represents the mission of Jesus Christ. It is the mission of Christ. So when he's asking us to not be passive but to be active with it, he is saying this, and this is this is the important distinction. When we eat the bread as we will this morning, oh, come on over. When we eat the bread this morning and we drink the cup, here is the offer of Jesus Christ to all of us. He wants to involve us or engage us in his mission. In these next few moments, as we take communion, it should not become just some kind of rote ritual that we do that means nothing or, you know, oh, you know, it's communion again. I'm going to have a piece of bread and I'm going to drink some grape juice. Instead, what Christ is saying to us, it is in these moments that we engage ourselves with the mission of Christ. Look what Paul says, Second Corinthians, uh, it's chapter 11, verse 26. He says this, what you must solemnly realize is that every time you eat this bread and every time you drink this cup, you reenact in your words and in your actions the mission of the master. So here's what struck me today. Uh, More than anything else for this service today, here's what struck me. There are those of us in this room, we are struggling with clarity of mission. We don't know exactly what it is. What are we to do? God, what do you want me to do when I grow up one day? What am I supposed to do if you would just tell me? And I felt today as we take this bread and this cup and we engage in the mission of Jesus Christ, that God was going to show up, there was going to be some divine intervention this morning, and he was going to make some things clear for us. For those of us who need that, and that exists all over this room, there are those of us who are just desperate to know what that is. For those of us in this room who are like, we know what it is, but man, we're having a hard time sticking with it. We just, we're, you know, we got stuff in the past that we're dealing with, we got stuff in the present we're dealing with, whatever it is, we got stuff. I believe that God wants to divinely intervene today and give us some resolve, some discipline, whatever you want to call it, some power, and help us to find victory in all of it. And that's the thing I want to pray about in the next few moments. The last thing I want to say before I pray is this. You know, the mission, the mission begins with receiving Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. That is totally clear. That Jesus talks about it in John 17, about eternal life talks about that, the reception of Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And for all of us here, you know, here's where it is. It's a prayer that we pray, us to God. It's not a prayer that I pray over you. It's not a prayer that anybody else prays for you. It's a prayer that you whisper to God in your own words, in your own way and basically is something like this. Jesus, I need you to forgive me of my sins. I know I'm not perfect. And I desire that you would kind of Clear clear the deck, so to speak, of all those debts that I have, past, present, future. Wipe them all out. Come into my life and be the Lord and the Savior of my life. I want to live and glorify you the rest of my days. If you'll pray that prayer in your own words, in your own way this morning, man, you have just, you have just taken a huge leap forward in the mission that God has for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we eat this bread and we drink this cup this morning, Father, I pray that you would give those of us here who need clarity of mission. I pray, God, that you would make it so incredibly clear to us. For those of us here, God, who need resolve, that we just keep falling off the wagon, so to speak, on the mission you have us on. Father, I pray that you would give us that resolve, that might, and that power to stick with it. And Lord, for all those who have prayed to receive you, Jesus, as the Savior of their life, god i pray that you would fill every fiber of their being with your glory with your life and with your light and help them to live the life that you have called them to live lord i ask that you would bless the eating of this bread and the drinking of this cup for your honor and your glory in jesus name amen